can you kick that four-legged snore machine out the door? Unbelievable. Harley, you're banned. Broadcasting from Essex, it's the 12th of July 2021 and you're listening to Salonomics. The Bitcoin price is currently $33,000. Ooh, it's going up. Each Satoshi, sorry, each dollar will get you 2,986 Satoshis. I am your host, Aaron Dawn, and joining me once again from North London is my hair, Gareth Southgate, <laughs> Joe Memet. Hey, Joe. Gareth Southgate, oh, God. I, I, what realm can I be related to him? Well, uh, no way. Well, no way. how I see it is he's the perennial nearly man, isn't he? He's that well, guy that kind of... No, you're right. He, you're the absolute opposite from him. Gareth Southgate doesn't seem to learn from his past mistakes. Well, I, I, I kind of think that, you know, that just, I mean, he, he's, he had a lot of accolade, right, during the whole month. Everybody loved him, right? Yeah. But you see, once a loser, always a loser, right? You know, the, the guy missed the to himself, hasn't he? Mm. You know, he's... he's uh, it's kind of like he hasn't really won anything in a domestic um, game, all right. So, how do you expect he's never won anything as an under twenty um, ones manager? Or did he win? Did, did they win the uh, the World Cup the under twenty ones? Mm. I can't remember. I don't think he did. So, what they expect him as a manager? Look, don't get me wrong. I, I think he did a really good job up to the point where um, they got to the final. I think he, he, you know. When he got to the final, he should probably um, put his more ruthless hat on, really, I think. But he never did, did he? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I look at it from the point of view of... It's, it is a lesson to be learned, right? You know, throughout this whole tournament... You, you know, you and I chat about the football all the time. And throughout this whole tournament, I've never had that confidence in him... And it simply was because everyone praised him and said what a great job he did in the last World Cup. Whereas if you actually analyse the data, and you know that I love data, we won three games and we lost three games in the last World Cup. And that got us to the semi-finals. And getting to the semi-finals really did hide the actual experiment of him as a football manager, you know, that was his first tournament. Everyone saw it as, oh, he did really well, we got to the semis. But no one really accounted for the fact that there was no Holland, Italy, Germany, Brazil, yeah. Spain. You know, England had it all there. It was written in the stars, you know, we had six games at home. But once again, the second we got to that world-class team, we lost. And remember Moneyball. None of yeah. any none of this matters unless you win the last game. None of it matters. Yeah. And I was so angry last night to see the lineup of seven defensive players. You know, we was literally set up to defend, defend, defend. And the fact that we scored in the second minute gave Southgate the opportunity to once again not change the game during the game while it was happening. Just stick into a plan. Uh, and just sticking to a plan, a preconceived plan, and not being adaptable or agile enough to make decisions during a game. And that's what the difference was between the Italians and that's us. And, and, and this is, I'm linking this back to hairdressing because hairdressing is all about that. It is all about kind of thinking on your feet and, and being quick to react to a situation. Yeah, and, and yeah, I don't because... think Southgate possesses that in his locker. Well, I, th I think it kind of—it's it, it, part of today's problem, right? You know, we we go, we go across—I could go across the whole um, spectrum here, right? Data. Yeah, you know, football now, right? It relies an awful lot of data, doesn't it? You know, yeah. so like the the tactical nuance that they use—they use data on a player's um, body map and this and that. And if you actually sort of look at Southgate, or just any manager of Premier League, really. Or a certain managers in the other um, nationals, they they use data as their sort of like assistance. I mean, I see I see Arteta all the time, right? With his sort of Steve Round, I think it is, right? He's got an iPad, 
Mm. They're not looking at the pitch. They're not looking, you know, like you sort of said, you, you know, you come across your ideas, your theories with what you see, mm. all right? Now, these people, the, today's uh, so-called experts, they look at the data. So they, it's, I don't know if it's a game of chess. They're just thinking that if they do this, they, they kind of move this, they move left, right, they move left, right. It's a bit like a video game, you know. With video games, right, you go to, to win, to get to the ultimate goal, right, you have to keep moving, right, left or right. You don't go back as such because you die. So it, so you're always going forward in, in order to achieve your um, your goals. And, and I kind of think that that's the way Southgate and certain managers that I, I don't particularly like are using their, their um, theories based on um, to get the results mm. rather than actually acting on a situation which as hairdressers like you sort of said I mean I've done haircuts where you know you consulted the client said I'm going to do this I'm going to do this goes, yeah 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 you go for it and then what they saw like as you cut in their hair they think oh bugger I think I made a mistake I'm not going to like this how do you react to that you know, the next haircut you're going to do, which is a follow on from what you were doing, they're not going to like. Mm. So do you stop that haircut? Mm. You know, because yeah. you can't put the hair back on, could you? No, that's right. That's right. And and that's what that's what I think about, you know, last night. Of course, we're all proud of all the players, you know, for getting to getting England to the first final for 55 years but it's only now the tournament's finished that was what I had in the back of my head you know I was rooting for Southgate you know the 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 story the Hollywood story that he's he's carried that disappointment of 96 penalty shootout on his shoulders for 25 years do you know what I mean I was rooting for him to change history and to actually do it but for me it was almost further confirmation of some people just have it intuitively and some people don't. I mean, like you said, look at the backroom staff of Italy. It was full of World Cup winners. You know, every member of that staff was full of World Cup winners. Yes. Gareth Southgate's backroom team, Chris Powell, um, you know, they're just, just a, a bunch of people that have never really achieved much within the game. Do you know what I mean? That doesn't right. have that 1% which turns a victory, you know, which basically turns a, a defeat into a victory. Well, there's a certain skill, not certain skill, but a certain um, uh, ingredient. Yeah. A serum winner does. I, I, look, I, I think Harry Kane for Tottenham is an amazing striker, right? Yeah. But when they needed Harry Kane the most, right, which was a couple of years ago, um, against Liverpool in, in the Champions League final, he wasn't there to be seen. Completely anonymous. Ryan Sterling, again, fantastic for Man City, and, and, and it's been proven in every game, especially against us. And yet, in the Champions League final, it was nowhere to be seen, and in yesterday's game, nowhere to be seen. I'm not sort of saying they have a certain, um, they lack that ingredient, but when it comes to the pressure, then that's when the greatness comes out in someone, doesn't it? It's yeah. the pressure, really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very hard to fake um, outcomes in football isn't it you know football the reason why it is like the world sport and the number one sport in the world is because the barrier of entry is so low jumpers for goalposts etc you know and you yeah. can kick a ball of paper around or whatever do you know what i mean yeah. and and i think there's there's some truth in this that you know throughout the tournament i think we all agree italy were probably the best team yeah, of course. They started off the, the I mean, against my country. They decimated my country. Yeah, <laughs> and and yeah. Well, there yeah, that was it. I mean, we we witnessed on day one, didn't we? Um, how yeah. powerful the Italians were. But but my my point is is simply on reflection of the 120 minutes football last night. There was only one deserved winner. You know, we yeah. can argue to a blue in the face that you know that guy should have been sent off and that other dude should have been sent off for the stamp and. You know, maybe there was a handball in the corner, and maybe VI. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and, and the ref was a uh, is a supermarket millionaire, so you yeah. know there was like loads of references to him. Um, you know, getting back to the day job and and all of that stuff during the game. But it was just 
on reflection over the 120 minutes, you know, the stats come up at one point. Italy had 71% possession. England had had like two shots. You know, yeah, so Italy right, tried right. 19. It's yeah. like, it would have been daylight robbery if England had won that on penalty kicks last night. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I'm still gutted because for me, everyone in the nation's gone back to being slightly more depressed than they were yesterday. You know, that excitement and optimism of a, an entire country has kind of been killed <laughs> overnight. Well, yeah, I kind of like, because I, I was working yesterday, right? I, I, I sort of, it, it, was, it was quite a nice day, actually. I, t- I took the, um, a bit of a sad story, actually. Kind of, kind of not, not a sad, but came to a bit of an abrupt end. Um, I, I did a client yesterday in, in Fulham, and I saw two haircuts. So I took the bike um, with me. And so I frequently, right, I'm going to go to Wembley. And I, as you know, I like I like collecting football programs. So I thought, right, I'm going to go to Wembley. I'm going to sort and of buy some football programs, which I did ask if you wanted one as well. And, and my nephew and everything. So I've got to Wembley. And I, I don't know if you've been in Wembley recently. Right? I, mean, no, I the last haven't. Time I, went, I haven't. I went, I'm more concerned with um, the snoring coming through yeah. your speaker yeah. mate it's really yeah. loud yeah yeah I, I, it, did, it did it did come under my um, can you my, kick that four-legged <laughs> snore machine out the door yeah and um, unbelievable yeah harley as, you're banned as it happens not harley it's juke it's like juke, juke, you're banned <laughs> get out cats <laughs> I, I got there right and I, yeah. I saw like um, I parked the bike up I had to go to the, the front entrance of um, Wembley right where all the um, thing. and there was people like you know this is about 12.30 hour in the morning yeah? mm. they were already gone they are wasted completely um, singing and dancing being merry with great excitement it, it really was a carnival atmosphere you know 12.30 I, I got a couple of programmes and I'm going and this everybody's happy you know you know, it really was. Um, it's probably like our, our equivalent to um, the VE day when when, uh, when the war ended. Like you know, what I mean, I, I I can't remember another. No, I do actually. Princess Diana's wedding actually. That was a, yeah. That I was, was going to say day. like you know, um, William and Kate's wedding and all of those like feel good events. That's probably due to the fact that us plebs got two days off instead of the normal one, weren't it? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. I don't know if yeah, you remember yeah. that. We actually got but, two bank holidays uh, when they got. Now, I remember, um, I mean, Diana's wedding was um, the, the, the night before, like, was, was London was absolutely brilliant, like, you know, I, mean, I remember being stuck in a traffic jam in Piccadilly, and this is in a motorbike, you know, sort of about two o'clock in the morning. Uh, anyway, everything was just, it was just, a, it was a glorious thing to sort of see, you know, it, and there was no talk about colour, race, genders, and everybody was together. Mm. You, you know what I mean? And, and you know, when you, when you actually ride a motorbike through um, through town or anything like that, you see life very differently. You know, when you're in the car, right, you know, you're stressed out yourself, but on a bike, right, you're moving around, you, there's freedom of the air, and, and you see life in a very different um, uh, view. And, and, like, it really was a joyous um, day, Aaron. It really mm. was a, a wonderful day. Up to the final kick, I suppose. Up to yeah. that final kick, it was—that's when it all, all, all um, f- um, collapsed. But uh, let me just continue. Anyway, I was—it was about sort of when I picked the um, the programs. It was about one o'clock, right? So I've been out since seven o'clock doing uh, to my client's house and doing cover haircuts and blah blah and and um, blah blah. I was thinking, I'm really hungry, I am. So, should I go to the Ace Cafe, which is near Wembley, which is a sort of motorcyclist hangout, right? Or should I just stop off a nice cafeteria? Or should I stop off here? Yeah, I've figured all these places where I can go and have a bit of um, lunch, you know what I mean? And I started riding my bike, and I'm thinking, oh, I wish I'd this. And, and I thought, right, you know, I need to do a bit of shopping as well. Because I, I I cooked the dinner night before anyway, so the dinner was all... So all that, I needed bits and pieces um, for, because Rex was Rex was a mother's house, so I had to have for all myself and so far. I needed crisps and things. Like that. So I know I go to Sainsbury's. I could buy a bit of lunch and things. Like that. So I go to um, Upper Street and uh, park the bike. Go to Sainsbury's, pick pick a few things. I put in my backpack, you know, with my hedges and stuff, with the, with the football programs and everything. And I proceeded to go home. So literally, and where Cross Street is, you know, which is where I'm off. Um, where I'm, I, I want to do it right, yeah? So I'm, mm. I stopped by, I just saw, and there's a taxi 
is giving me way. All right. Now, what happened was there was a car. It was a side road. He started pulling out at the same time as I was proceeding to turn right. So I stopped because if I didn't, if I was moving, he could have hit me. So I stopped. Right. You know, emergency brake. And guess what happened? He got out and clocked no. over the edge. No, no, no. I stopped. In stopping, right, in emergency stopping, I fell. The no bike way. just went bam. You didn't <laughs> tell me this, Jesse. You fell off no, the bike. No, I was going to save it to the podcast, weren't I? It's probably fear, fear, fear of ridicule, probably. Right. I, you know what? And for fuck, like, you know what I mean? I, because, you know, it's no one of those things. Because the taxi driver, gave, oncoming taxi driver, gave me. Um, the way, but this yeah. guy decided to pull out instead. To pull out anyway, thought he was talking to him and didn't see. Yeah, you coming. know what I mean. He didn't see me. I saw him, and I put my I put my brakes on. Bam! And in that time, in that period, I because I was in, I was in um in about sort of not three hundred sixty two, but one hundred eighty degree turn at that point. So I'm actually mm. turning in. Yeah. When and when you snap right, boom! <laughs> just fell. All so of a sudden, much damage. Just, what? Yeah, You've got done much actually. damage yeah, to the bike. The, the, the right hand side of the bike is gone. Oh no! Yeah, I've, what you know, a nightmare! Flipping hell, you know what I mean? Really How about you hell. though? You didn't hurt your leg or anything. You didn't get your leg trapped on the ground or no, no. Or was it just oh, well, your ego? Well, you know the thing is, right? We we actually saw I got a bike on slightly on top of you, right? Mm. There's this superhuman strength that you never know you got. Right. Do you know what I mean? The adrenaline and, kicks in. Yeah. It, you, it really does. I mean, I'm 63 years old, right? And all of a sudden, I just sort of laced myself up from the bike. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm quite bruised on my right hand side, I'll be honest with you. Um, and um, anyway, this. But no one came to help me except this motorcycle stopped by. He goes, You're right, man. He goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me a hand, lift the bike up. Anyway, yeah. lift the bike up. And um, you got straight back on it and you sped home. Uh, yeah, I, I had to, but I'm literally 100 yards away anyway. But right. that blade taxi driver flipping, they all, they all pulled away though. So yeah, mm. my, my ego was brutal to sort of say the least on that one, mate. <laughs> yeah, but you know, bringing it back to hairdressing, I think this is this is the point, isn't it? You know, what lessons can we learn from, you know, having that bad experience? And that's probably the fundamental one, isn't it? You just got to get back on the bike and, and ride it. And the sooner you get that opportunity, the better. I just fear for like you know these youngsters such as Saka and Rashford and Sancho. Do you know what I mean? I really hope that doesn't affect their confidence to ever take a penalty kick again. Or do you know what I mean? I just think I, I kind of agreed with Roy Keane's uh, analysis of it. You know, I think it's sacrilege that there was more experienced players in that team that allowed the teenagers to take take the you know to take the hit on those yes. penalty kicks. Um, but yeah, you know this is it as what you know what can what can we learn from this and 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 it's the courage to continue that counts right it's that winston churchill quote um about the war you know we can all give up but it's the courage to continue that counts and i think i think i i really hope england become a much better and a much more solid team i just doubt southgate's the right man for the job because like i said he's made a mistake in the croatia semi-final four years ago he, he basically made exactly the same decision last night, and that was to go defensive and to try and eke a result out. He didn't learn from that mistake of like changing and adapting the game like the Croatians did four years ago. And, and, and that that is my biggest issue. I, I hope he can get over that. Because it must be a mental block to him to say, look, we've planned on playing this one way, and no matter what the plan is, we can't deviate from the plan. We've got to follow it through. Rather than going, oh, hang on, the Italians have got putting us under a lot of pressure here. Maybe I should, you know, take one of the defensive players off and, you know, attack is the best form of defence. Maybe we should give them something to think about. You know, for me, I don't know, but I think half the country was asking for Jack Grealish to come on after, say, 60 minutes and give us a little bit more attacking threat. But didn't happen, mate. Didn't happen, so... There you go. Well done, England, for getting to the final. Um, but you, you're you not getting my respect until you win something. Well, I think, I, look, it, it's it's very hard to win a, a major tournament, really. Because you know, you're going to get luck along the way. 
and, and and you need all the luck in the final as well and and that's what i think england um that that's because they had luck in the no in i the think no i disagree i think the italians Indeed. made their own luck they completely made made their own luck you know uh, if right so basically they want to talk about penalties about being, it being a science and all of that stuff and they've done their yeah. homework and they know that the the um, the keeper knows what way to dive, etc., etc. Right? Yeah. Well, surely if they'd have done the most basic bit of homework, which Donnarumma's never lost a penalty shootout, that would say to me, we don't want to go to penalties, lads. We want to win it in normal <laughs> yeah, yeah. time. I, I I totally agree. You know, my wife's not into football at all, right? Yeah, you know, she's we were because she, she's a she rings me up last night and she says to me. God, that Italian goalkeeper, he's big, isn't he? Mm. I mean, she actually saw, saw the physical presence of this guy mm. oh, he's a being monster. dominant. Yeah, he's a monster. And you know, that that's a, that's a stat. He's never, ever lost a competitive penalty wow. shootout, that guy. Wow. You know, so hang on. Is it a lottery? How can he win the lottery five times in a row? <laughs> you know. Hmm. Yeah, he's just, he's got a talent for it. But yeah, anyway, are you tired with having to compete with the internet on price? Well, GoSalon created a system that means you don't have to. GoSalon is a web app that enables professionals to provide a user-friendly online ordering system for not only their services, but for their expert recommendations. GoSalon gives you four more opportunities to recommend your favorite retail products to your clients. GoSalon increases the amount of products that you can sell to your customers. You can sell those products to your customers for the same price as the internet with no extra work. GoSalon is open 24 seven and is found on your client's home screen. Sell whatever, whenever, to whoever you want. It's so simple to set up. Just go to gosalon.uk, enter your email address, reserve your namespace, and we will do the rest. Do it today, become part of the retail revolution. Go Salon, make retail easy. Let's close the chapter on football. Um, what else? What else have you noticed from the world of um, politics and, and economics and and hair and beauty over the last week? I was a bit disappointed with um, again going to the politics right of football politics. There was a there was a Tory backbencher, Natalie Elphick, right? Mm -hmm. It was forced to grovel um, a claim down by sort of suggesting that um, Marcus Rafa should be concentrating more on party taking rather than um, playing politics. And she's she's been forced to climb down on that statement. I mean, here is a woman, right, who's is quite hundred percent right. I mean, Marcus, you see his run up, don't you? I mean, yeah, it's what very a odd. Pathetic run yeah, up. Yeah, it's very odd. Pathetic, yeah. to say the least, right? There's no confidence. There's no style. There's no panache. You know what, mate? Well, that was a decision by Southgate, weren't it, to bring these two guys on? You know, yeah. with a, a minute to go, specifically to take a penalty. Yeah, um, you're right. So, you know, I wonder if he ever does that again. You know, it takes mistakes to, you know, the part of making a mistake is a, an opportunity to learn That's and right. to make yourself better. And like I say, you know, I can't can't forgive serial mistakers. And no. I just think, you know, I've correlated the World Cup semi-final from four, from 2 years ago to Southgate and and last night I believe he made exactly the same mistake but the narrative of the you know most British public was what an amazing job he's done and it's like you don't win that last game it's, exactly. it counts for nothing it counts for nothing but um but yeah it's interesting you say that you know with the politics and the free speech and all this and outrage society and culture joe this is exactly why I insisted on getting us on the podcast in 2.0 uh, apps because you know we are uncensorable on here you know our 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 listeners can support us throughout this whole stream by sending us some bitcoin satoshis you know yes. we can never ever be cancelled we can never ever be removed because you and I made this conscious decision a few months back you know when we realized that all these centralized servers we could get basically taken down you know, like your Facebook page, like your Instagram page, for somebody else's perspective about what yeah. you're trying to say. 
Yeah. Uh, and we know that obviously podcasting being long form, it gives us an opportunity to really extrapolate and to really take a deep dive into why we we think a certain way. Whereas the context of Facebook and all of these, it's just whatever the reader's going to read, they're going to project their own assumptions into something that you write, you know. Yeah. So I've, I've been a victim of, you know, Facebook censorship um, throughout the last, yeah, throughout the last year, Joe, you know, um, anything, any other kind of, um, you know, non-science based, you know, data. Um, that we was trying to share when it comes to masks, when it comes to vaccines, when it comes to how many people were suffering with COVID and all of that. All of that got censored. You know, it literally got zero likes. Even when I went to share, you know, links to my um, wonderful nieces like charity, um, you know, not a single like on my feed on Facebook. And that's why I completely disowned it as a platform. Yeah. Because what's the point? You know, I've told you the story about when we was at MH Fed uh, and we had two and a half, you know, this is back in 20, 2012, 2013. We had two and a half thousand people. We'd cultivated a really beautiful community on there, all of the engaged people. And then we come into work one day. Overnight, the page had been disappeared, yeah. been removed and gone. And you just think, right, that's brilliant. That's two years work gone into something and now all gone. And there's no rhyme or reason. There's no recompense. There's no customer service person that you can phone to like get it back. It was just gone. It was like all of that time and energy gone overnight because. So, so well, really, kind of reminds me of um, our, our good friend um, Donald Trump because he's suing all these um, companies, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, isn't that just to create PR? I mean, isn't I don't Donald know, Trump a PR I, machine? He, he's actually sort of doing exactly what you what you're against so he's actually speaking on your behalf and and the best way to sort of do this is to actually sue him because the thing is yeah when when you actually take action against these people right with a with a with a with a with a with a, with a action like as suing right they're gonna stand up and listen yes that all these so-called experts said it's got no legal um it's got no legal um, standing or anything like that right but they're gonna say that Obviously, Donald Trump is not stupid. He's a very savvy businessman. Yeah. More, far more savvier than these um, sort of like entrepreneurs, well, not entrepreneurs, these CEOs of these um, companies, right? Because they, they, they just put a platform. Donald Trump right, has been around for years, okay? And yeah. um, so he's a lot more savvy. So if he's got reason to sort of sue them, all right, that, I, I tell you what will happen at one point, right? It will never go to court. But they will come to some arrangement, you see. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that, well, this is it. I mean, and and this is why I believe so uh, vehemently about the the next stage of our evolution. Certainly, when it comes to the internet, is a decentralized version of it. You yeah. know, where you take control and you take charge of your own domain, your own space. You well, build the your own community. Well, freedom of speech right? also a freedom of to offend as well. I mean, we, we're not going out to offend people. We just, you know, we, we actually go out to question people. Well, it's not even questioning, is it? We're just expressing yeah. ourselves. Yes. It's, it's, it's the ability to express ourselves. Yeah. You know, um, there's this phrase about, you know, the idea that censorship is a bad thing. If you if you don't disagree with, uh, if you disagree or you dislike what someone believes or says, the only way to deal with that is to talk more about yes. it, not less, not shut down the debate. You know, the key to the key to it is to shine more light on it and not less. Um, and and like I say, um, I'm I'm very much an advocate for a more decentralised internet removing ourselves from these centralized uh, points of failure and like i say that includes facebook instagram tiktok all of those things take care of your own business get your own domain name try and hook it up to a for a you know in a way that makes sense for you and your business yeah. you know because yeah. at the end of the day why do you and this goes back to the article i wrote last year about um, increased costs in the digital sphere. So 15 years ago, you, I mean, did you have a, a computer uh, reception system in your salon 15, 20 years ago, Joe? No. Or was it a book? Was I it a diary? Uh, no, 15 years ago, I did have the, um, the shortcut software, actually. I did. You did. So you've I always did. had software in your salons. Yeah, but the point, yeah. the point I'm trying to make is 
you bought a book. It was a diary. Probably yeah. cost you five quid, and that was your thing. But now that expense has gone up one thousand percent. You know, your digital spend has gone up a thousand percent because now you're paying anywhere between I don't know fifty and a hundred pounds a month for salon software. But not to mention now you're advertising through Facebook and Instagram, trying to get more exposure to your feed. So all of a sudden that goes up. You know, that's now £50 a month where you never had that expense before. So to do all of your salon reception bits and bobs, you were spending £5 a year. Now you're paying anywhere in excess of £1,000, £2,000, £2,500 a year. You know, the same price of an apprentice. But can I just just sort of say, if you've got salon software, right, Mm. do you really need the receptionist as well, though? Well, you this is the someone, idea. You see this someone to operate it, don't you, really? Anyone well, this is the that. idea. This is the idea behind online booking, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. we've got this online booking. It's completely autonomous, you know, 24-7 booking. Yeah. yeah, but look at the frustration it creates when a customer gets confronted with like all these terms that they don't really understand, and they end up just booking anything in. And then yeah. you've got to then hire a receptionist to either go in and make adjustments or to change it. So basically, you're doing something twice, do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and and I know what I'm like whenever I get, whenever I'm asked by whatever company to have to fill in a form or, oh, can I just pop to the website and go and log that complaint or that error? I hate having to do anything twice, especially when I feel that I've already done it once in the first place. It's one of the most frustrating exactly. feelings in the world. Uh, and can you imagine your your client has gone through your website and spent like five, ten minutes like navigating it and then has to wait for you to open up in the morning to phone you as well. Yeah. You know, you're asking them to do something twice. But not only that, they're paying and you're paying for the privilege of doing it twice. Like I say, we just need to eradicate this this idea that, you know, energy, there's a cost to energy. And human energy, human time and all of that, like I say, simple is best when it comes to all that stuff. So yeah, have your, have your receptionist and just have a 24-7 phone line that they can leave a message on. You know, audibly they can phone up and just say, hi there, yeah, I'd really love an appointment this week. You know, surely having an answer phone. Well, like you, you're such a romantic, ain't you? Because you, you used to sort of keep the old um, Samo Samo in our industry. No, 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 not at all. You misunderstand me. My point of view is technolo- there's, there's examples of technology that improves your life. And then there's examples of new technology which don't improve your life. For example, VAR technology in football. Do we believe that that's sped up the game and made the game more enjoyable? I think 100% no, it doesn't. It doesn't do the referees any favour apart apart from making the referees and the linesmen less accountable for their mistakes. Um, So I think in in society now, there's all this idea that technology is going to solve everything. But there's so many examples of analog things actually doing things a lot more better. And like I say, having yeah. the old diary book <laughs> does it a lot more better than paying two and a half uh, grand for somebody else. I, I, I would disagree with that, to be honest with you. I really would. Right. I, I, I really do. I would disagree. Because listen, there are many times in my experiences um, mm. going through the old um, book assistants, right? Mm. Receptionist always makes mistakes. Always. For sure. Yeah, no, and, for sure. And. And somewhere along the line, right, you lose, um, I have lost clients, and I'm sure every hairdresser of my generation have lost clients through that um, booking system because, you know, uh, human error. Hmm. Uh, and when it comes to appointments, you cannot have human error, Aaron. You can't. You know, no, you know, listen, I agree with you. I agree with you. But at the end of the day there is a balance there isn't there you know you're you're essentially paying an extra amount of money for technology which isn't saving you any time and i think that's my point yeah that's my point yeah. there yeah. you know this this technology ends up creating more work than it saves and and like i say it's that wastage it's that wastage that i'm trying to combat with with go salon you know trying to find that happy medium um, so that, you know, and that, and that was one of the models behind GoSell. And it was like, well, hang on, if we can create something that generates you a revenue that actually pays for itself, then surely that's got to be better than, you know, paying a subscription fee for a service where, you know, maybe you're you're not. You're not actually benefiting from it. So, well, no, it's, it's all to do with interpretation, right? I think I did. And, and, and I think so, like using 
uses software to to full potential and interpreting it uh, it requires a, a level of intelligence that I, I do believe in and accept actually um, it, it's, it's not a case of training I, I really think it's about how to navigate hence you know I'm, I'm a gamer I, I know you play games some people are fantastic at it some people are crap at it you know, do you know what I mean and, and yeah. it's just it's a case of interpretation of it, of it really I think yeah know. no true I mean I did we did do an episode didn't we Salonomics 36 the salon to blow your mind um, yeah and then that was the one, um, that was the interview I did with Jason Crows, uh, yeah. where we spoke about using technology so it doesn't use you. Yeah. You know, it, it's about pinpointing those systems in your day-to-day -day life, which are actually giving you a time uh, saving, uh, at, you know, as well as obviously a, a monetary saving aspect. Yeah, um, and reevaluating that, because obviously a lot of the narrative around that, that talk was about well, is this social media actually good for us? Are we are we spending an inordinate amount of time doing social media for the actual rewards it's giving us? Oh, a complete waste of time. Yeah, really? and I agree with you on that. You know, sometimes, you know, salons um, work better in the local community and you're probably better off using the, the leafleting, your local, you know, your local yeah. um, streets, you know, that analogue technology, you know using that to get more bums on seats in your salon than, you know, giving Facebook £150 to run ads. Exactly. You know? I mean, when, when we first, when we moved to um, Sloan Avenue after Burst Arcade, okay, yeah. uh, we, we, yeah, I, I, did, I made a conscious effort, right, thinking, right, I'm, I'm moving back to Chelsea and there's more people living in Chelsea than, uh, than I, would cater, I could cater for. But at the same time, there's a lot of salons in Chelsea as well. There's Richard Ward, there's Albert Capella, there's Harry's, there's Neville's, there's social. There's all these salons that I have to compete with. It, as, a, as an individual, they can't compete with me. But as a salons, I was nowhere near their level. All right? So I said to myself, I can't spend thousands and thousands of pounds on Facebook promotion, Google, all these companies. I can't. Yeah. Well, yeah. because I don't believe in it either, all right? Mm. So what did I do? Actually, my wife gave me the idea, actually, because uh, she was uh, she's, she was in the stat age, right? She used to sort of do flyers. I liked the idea. I wasn't too keen on it, right? Because I'm going back to an old trusted formula rather than a, a new innovative idea. Mm. And that's exactly what we did. I think we paid about £150 for thousands and thousands of um, leaflets. Mm. And what I did, right, I actually got the staff, the juniors, mm. to actually do it, you know, prior to opening, mm. all right, so that we, they, we all went out one day and just put it through letterboxes, you know, over mm. there was flats as well and things like that, and you know what, it made people aware that we was there, and even mm. the clients that I, that I used to work in Nicebridge who saw sort of disappeared, they, they kind of saw me back in town again right mm. so again it did work far more effectively than any campaign i could have done on, on social media yeah that's interesting because that, that comes down to distraction and noise doesn't it you know yeah. you're creating signal there and you're removing yourself from the noise and this is what some people fail to comprehend the fact that when you're on facebook when you're your sole uh, channel to attract new new customers and new clients is one of the social media networks. It's your client or your potential clients going to see it is being bombarded with other messages of distraction. Mm. So it, it's you know and we can we can draw that to like you know the trade shows for example. Mm. You've got a thousand people in a room. You've got fifty companies all demonstrating, all exhibiting, all shouting at the top of their voice to try and get everyone's attention. Do you know what I mean? It's very hard in that scenario to increase your signal you going back to doing the leaflets while everybody else is doing social media posts you know what you're actually removing yourself from the noise and you're creating that signal so i'm not saying that that's the answer i'm just no. saying that's sometimes right. you need to analyze you know different yes different mechanisms in order to be more effective and, and, and like, like you sort of said local right and and i was talking a local area right mm -hmm. Because I'm not surrounded by 
tube stations or hotels, anything like that. This is a, a, a little a piece of um, a, lo- uh, a, a sort of environment in Chelsea which is localised. You know, mm. I mean, local shops. So you want to the local people. And obviously the local people, right, we could afford my prices too. And that's exactly what I wanted. I didn't want international clients flying in, blah, blah. I didn't want um, sort of like transit, uh, sort of one-nighters or anything like that, right? It was just local clients that I wanted there. And, and at the end of the day, you know, you, you've got a stronger business uh, when you actually target that type of audience rather than uh, some of these inter- big, big sons would do with their international clients because, as you know, no one's flying in, no one's coming in, this and that, mm-hmm. and all crying, etc., etc., etc. Whereas if they just concentrate on local clients. And we had a chat with um, our good friend Eleanor years, well, you know, last year when we met her, met her in the salon you know, and she was, uh, we were talking about campaigning. And I said, you know, local's the best way to go, right? We mm. remember we had a chat with her, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, she was she was very much concerned about how to get. I remember the question. It was how do we get younger clients right. in? Yeah, and it's like you know I don't think you need to resort to TikTok and this that and the other to get the younger clients in. You know, you've it's word of mouth like you say, and 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 creating a localized campaign because look how much convincing it's going to take somebody. Um, to get someone from one side of London across the other side of London to come see your salon. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's going to take a hell of a lot of social media convincing yeah. to do that, which is an inordinate amount of time. And, and you know, um, another, another problem she had, right, she, she didn't think about it, which I always thought about, was that most 18-year-olds can't afford a £150, £200 haircut. Never mm. in years. But yeah. the mothers, the mothers will. The, the mothers can. will. Yeah. yeah you know what sure. I mean? <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting. It is interesting, like thinking outside the box yeah. in order to like kind of move forward. And, and, and you do this on level. your feet, though. You can't sit down and analyze. Yes. You, you, you know what I mean? And I think which goes back to your sort of Southgate term theory. Yeah, yeah. the com- the confidence, having the confidence to just kind of you know go for it. Yeah, and to you... push the boat out and to go. Well, I don't care if I'm going to be ridiculed. This is what I believe is is the right thing to do now, yeah because you because know. you, uh, you, you said yourself uh, you you act with your eyes right if yeah and um, if your eyes are sort of like this is what they're seeing this is what your brain's computing then you have to act on it you can't just sort of like sit down and think uh uh do i do i not do i do i do i not you know what i mean and then mm. yeah it takes full it takes full accountability for the disaster but if he acted before what he saw mm. Um, which yeah. he hasn't got that training whereas we had that training when we were younger we, when we did our apprenticeships right mm. we, we acted we, we could do a better job on, on, that, on that basis really anyway yeah anyway bureaucrat watch have you got any um, particular well, bureaucrats that yeah, um, have actually, got your I, goat this week well you know what I, I was still as I was sort of like, you know looking around with the um, the football and things like that right I, I saw like just I just put hairdressing in a Google search right mm. now this was in um, before the um, the the reopening great reopening apparently most hairdressing salons and beauty salons right mm. were given a government guideline guidelines guidance mm. all right and this was an advice by to all of them and how can and, we forget well then no one's ever talked about it see this is what well no uh, no they haven't you're yeah, right let's talk about it then let's well, talk okay. about it and, then, and there was a new government guidance right was for that all beauty salons and hairdressers right was to consider providing shorter treatments to minimize the time spent of a client in a salon are Hang on a second. Doesn't God. that go completely against the other advice that was handed out, which, which was, was, oh, we're going to have to extend our appointment times in order to... Well, you you could extend the appointment times to fit the clients in, right? Yeah. Because I remember we talked about it at one point, right? A client was, was supposed to have their hair washed. They could come in there with their hair pre-washed. They, they, you know, I mean, there's not going to be no waiting, yeah. no blow drying, none of all this, right? Yeah. So basically, and and, get... and 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 most of the guidance all had that where possible um, extension on the end, didn't it? Yeah. So it gave you a get out clause, like right. like the old VAR clear and obvious error. Yeah, it gives totally. them a get out clause to make any decision they want. A- anyway, 
to my wisdom, I go on, and I saw like, you know, on Instagram, on TikTok, or social media, right? What are all the salons doing? They're advertising what they've been doing, i.e. the colours, the curly hairs, you know, the back of, it completely avoiding the, the government guidelines, right? It's like, go in, do the, do a haircut, do a blow dry, whatever, do a colour, and you let them go, right? You don't do all this fluffy, 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 um, sugary images which yeah. is they're all doing it still mate yeah so what yeah. you're saying is what you're saying is um reduce your appointments like cut it in half and let them let them leave with wet hair or you know well you could rough, rough dry it right or, or rough dry it rather than a, a bloke yeah, yeah. No, okay, and, and, I, I get and the thing is that you, you ever started doing it yeah i mean you don't cut your haircuts like i have right but when you know when a client's shampooed right and they say you mm. cut me through now if you don't have a water spray bottle next to you, right? Mm. By the time you get to the top of the section, that hair is dry, basically yeah, speaking, yeah. right? Because of the friction of combing the hair through this and that, right? Mm. Hair just dries naturally through friction. So, so you could actually do a haircut, start doing a haircut. By the time you finish that haircut, it is virtually dry, Aaron. At least mm. 60, 70% dry. You sure. know what I mean? So you don't need to go through all that fluffy... Uh, again but and again and again this is the salon's interpretation of seeing thinking right you know we want to get as as much money as possible i.e the more service they're providing which is not really the government's guidelines mm. you know what i mean yeah yeah no i get that but like i say we, we us as a creative industry we always have a um we always um, give a little bit of pushback whenever somebody um, comes in and try, tries to tell us what to do and how to do it and where to do it from a point of like zero experience. So I suppose there is a natural uh, period of time where people will figure that out. So obviously we've got another Boris announcement, haven't we, next week? It's supposed to be touted as Freedom Day, um, but it's probably going to be more like... Um, it's probably going to be more like uh, Bureaucracy Day. Uh, because yeah. I'm expecting to have like so many rules. Um, whenever Boris and his his band of merry doomers uh, take to the podium, they always um, they always give answers that create a hell of a lot more questions than what they actually. Oh, that's you know, right. They're tickers they for a ride. Solved. Yeah, I, they are. That, so, I, mean, I, I was I was um, I was um, in town the other day. I, I I had to take a taxi right, and and it. It took me somewhere. It brought me back. Right, we we're talking. He started with his football chat, this and that, and then we got into the uh, to the COVID thing. And he says to me, right? He said to mm. me, "Look, I'm not anti-vaxxer. I'm not a conspiracy or anything, runner. But he says to me, it's all about DNA." I said to him, he, "What?" He goes, "It's all about DNA. All this swapping, all this It's all about DNA, right? It's a big. The next big thing, right? It's about about DNA. So it's been geo." Uh, Geo DNA or something like that. I can't remember right. exactly what G- it is. Genomics. Genomics. Genomics DNA, right? He says to me, mm. and he says to me, Matt Hancock got shares in this company. Yeah. I in said, a DNA yeah. data collection company. That's yeah. right. Yeah, this is right. true. And actually, my wife actually confirmed it to me because I spoke to her about it, and she actually confirmed to me. And so again, you're thinking to yourself, conflict of interest. Yes. Yeah. I, we that keep stupid? testing people keep testing keep testing yeah. keep sticking those you know uh, cotton wool buds up your up your nose you know up your ass but, yeah but you we know need where DNA. Based? we need a china that's right <laughs> that was they a joke, sending it to china <laughs> no way i mean jesus christ mate oh. I, you couldn't make it up you know you couldn't I mean, make it up God. I mean, do you expect there to be a COVID crimes committee in the next eighteen months, Joe? Oh, or do you Aaron, think they're going to keep? Do you think they're going to keep flogging this dead horse? Well, I think they the the more they're not going to keep flogging, right? The, the more they get out of it, and eventually, mm. once they so leave office, do they care? No, no damage is done. Damage is done. This is yeah. This is short termism, and like I say, you know, it goes out back on all of these um, technological advances. The unintended consequences of everything, everything you do on a day-to-day basis. You know, you really want to send that tweet. You really want to put yeah. that post up there. You know, and this is this is why they're creating that, right? To distract from the main objective, right? 
you know what I mean? The, the world is such a big mess with all this misinformation. There's been misinformation for years and years and years, Aaron. Right. Yeah, no, totally. But there's a difference, isn't there? There's misinformation, there's disinformation, right? There's misinformation that might be a mistake that comes from the good place, but maybe might be told in error context. But then there's disinformation, which is purposely putting information in the yes. atmosphere, which is going to confuse or, you know, And, you know, and if, you, if you look at all these people, right, who can, who've been... Who've been slaughtered, slated, right, for saying something on social media? Yeah. By whom? Who says they've been um, sort of like? You know what I mean? You don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was interesting to come up on No Agenda the other day. I was listening to them talking about um, you know censorship, censorship on the internet, um, and you know the guy that invented mRNA tests. Yeah. Even his videos got censored by Facebook and by YouTube. They all got taken down this time last year. Even the guy that created... Uh, sorry, the PCR test. Did I say mRNA? Yeah, uh, but, but basically, the inventor of both of those technologies, there's, um, there's the PCR test, which is an amplification uh, process. That got Those videos got taken down. And the mRNA inventor, his videos, official videos got taken down. So... When you've got an inventor of something being censored by somebody else who's clearly not as like hasn't got the the profound knowledge that the inventors of a, a thing would have, then we're in trouble, right? Then mm. then we we have to then understand this is a narrative, this is propaganda, and the only answer to any of this is more speech, not less speech. Well, I don't think it's a case of more speech, right? It's just more um, understanding of what is being... Well, no, just a removal of censorship. Yeah, Her yeah. Censorship is bad. Yeah. And, you know, whether it is misinformation that's being censored or whether it's disinformation, disinformation being been, censored, yeah. the point of the internet was to make all information available to people. You know, 20 years after, you know, after discovering the internet... We're now in a situation where 99.9% .9 of the internet that we see is centralised and it's being propagandised one direction. There's websites I tried to go to the other day, Joe, to get information. My, my ISP wouldn't even allow me to go to those websites. Really? They said, oh, you know. And obviously, this generic error message. So I have to go online and, you know, download a VPN and, and, and then I can find it. Not a problem. But... Yeah, it's it's very very sinister all of this stuff, and and like I say, podcasting is is really the home of free speech. Podcasting 2.0 uh, allows us to be able to carry on doing this yeah, without yeah, being censored. Yeah, but the, the, the thing that I you know the thing that I find really interesting about the whole thing, right, is how it affects our industry. Mm. You, you, do you know what I mean? Because there, there's so much. Um, Unbalanced, unfair. There's a, there's, well, I, I don't, I'm not unfair, but there's, there's, it's, it kind of really t takes to a point where um, most most salons, as we know, right, um, which are not VAT registered, this and that, right, they don't give a mm. damn about anything, right? Mm. I, I could possibly say that. And the ones which are which are part, partly responsible to all the, um, the the noise coming out from our industry are creating the biggest problems. And they're mm. using social media, they're using the internet, they're using all these things, right, to highlight their problems. But at the end of the day, it is their problem. It's not mm. my problem, it's not your problem, it's not the industry's problem. It's yeah. their problem. But And they can't deal with it yeah. themselves. You, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, well said. And, and that's the and thing. They, and they try and make it everybody else's problem. Yeah. You know, that's the whole point yeah. of projecting it. Projecting it outwards like it, that. It, um, yeah, exactly, and that's why I find it completely unfair uh, yeah. that that um, that they actually get in the um, the platform. They they get the the awareness. I mean, we, they've been using they they this are sort of desperate they are right. They're actually using mental health now in our industry just to highlight something that doesn't yeah. really exist. But it's well, there. this is the beauty about what I love about the hair and beauty industry. You know, is that everyone's their own little competitive ecosystem. Yeah. You're only really competing, you know, in your local environment. No one's mm. competing. 
you know, across the globe when it comes to hairdressing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, the time has gone. You know, it's about getting 1,000 true fans. It's not trying to have a million fans because that's just too much work and unsustainable. You know, I, I came up with an idea. When I started um, Joe Carroll in Drake Avenue, so like 19 years ago, so to say, right? Mm. And I and I sort of knew the, the, the technological advances that um, society was having. And, but there's one thing I knew also, right? That I had clients from America, I had clients from Hong Kong, I had clients from Africa. And, and these clients, right, come to me, also go to America, uh, or other places in the world. Mm. And what I wanted to sort of set up, right, and to this very day, no one's ever done it here, was to have a communication portal between salons where, say you went to... Um, my friend's salon in New York, and, and he's so like, look, I need a haircut done, right? Instead of getting a colorist there to try and recommend his interpretation, you get in touch with me. And so yeah. saying, Joe, I've got Aaron here. He just wants to be able to tell what would you, what did you yeah. use? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was- yeah, no, listen, totally. Um, this is something I thought about. That's a really, really good um, segue into, you know, part of the tools that I'm trying to develop for Go Salon. You know, so obviously you know GDPR and people yeah. owning their own data. Yeah. I think that this has uh, a point to prove in the salon industry as well. It'll be much more uh, beneficial for the individual to own their own data when it comes to their hair history and things like that. So, like you say, you it can be shared. I know back in the old school days, keeping your clients kind of you know what color you use was part and parcel of protecting your client from being snapped up by another salon do you know what i mean but i think going forwards i think yeah i think that's a that's a valid valid comment and and this is it though you know most of us say oh that's my client you know don't touch it you know what i mean yeah it's it just and that's why i always believe with this this, um this campaign's right we're all together you never were mate don't, yeah. don't fool me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. That's why I'm trying to create Go Salon yeah. as you know decentralized as possible. So uh, yeah. the individuals own their own data, their own information. They get their own referral fees. You know, it really is release the shackles and yeah. you know be, be and, and individual. We'll work together from it, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, oh, everyone will benefit from it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes, Joe, look, we are 57 minutes in, so yes. um, I'm keen to uh, wrap up. So is there any other comments that you can make? Well, let's put it this way. I'm looking forward to the Olympics. <laughs> you, just want, you, you just want to pass comment on the, the trans weightlifter from New Zealand, Oh, that, right? I can't wait for that, mate. I can't wait. I can't wait, wait for, can't wait for uh, the women's uh, event to be dominated by former men. That's right. Uh, that's that's <laughs> going to be incredibly entertaining it from will, a will meme be, point exactly. of view. Watch your space. Uh, yeah, watch your space. All right then, Joe. Uh, right, thanks today. Uh, where can people find you? On Twitter, on Salonomics. Yeah. Go Salon the website. Yeah. And, Telegram, uh, yeah, Telegram. Telegram's yeah. the best place. I so yeah, so. salonomics.gosalon.uk. You can chat directly to us. Um, yes, and the, also... The interesting thing about Telegram is that, you know, because, you know, I've, I've got all these contacts on my phone, right? It mm. actually tells you when people sort of join Telegram. That's right, yeah. And Dress Papa Thomas, John, say hello to him. I said, I don't say hello to him. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you should. You should say, hi, Thomas. Um, come and join my channel over at Salonomics, where we have no, interesting clients, chat mate. and debate. Clients, yeah, you know what I mean? We have yeah. interesting chat and interesting debate about, you know... The business side of salons. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I will do. All right then, mate. Right, mate. Well, look, I've got a crack on. So, um, yes. Um, was there any reaction to Edward Hemmings' podcast? I mean, I've just released your reaction to it today. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, obviously we're f- that's a story well, we're following closely. Well, you should do, because he's got, what, 30,000 followers or something like that, Yeah, it? exactly, yeah. So, um, the problem with apprenticeships, that was 41A. Go and check that out if you haven't, the previous show. Um, Edward really brings to the attention um, an interesting bureaucratic issue. Could which I, is can I ask you a personal question? When yeah, you were chatting on. with Edward, mm. was it as fun as chatting with me? Wait, are you are you are you sort of like a two-time me? <laughs> are you going to dump me? 
I just want to know where uh, I stand. I just want to know where I stand in this relationship. No comment, Mr. Joe Mehmet. I I um, I plead the fifth. Um, no, of course. I mean, Salonomics is is Aaron and Joe. I mean, it, you. What on? Uh, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, look. On that note. It's all kick. Seems like it's kicking off in your place. Yeah, my oh, wife is sort of like all of a sudden going into a printing mode. Um, sorry. She yeah, says no sorry. Worries. All right, mate. No love you. All right. you. Take care. I'll speak to you very soon. Bye, Joe. Bye, bye. See you later.